If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to Luke, the 15th chapter. Tonight's one of those nights that uh, I think about the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Uh, I want to preach, but physically I just don't feel much like preaching because I'm tired. It's been a long week, and uh, when I get tired, my mind seems to shut down and doesn't click on uh, many cylinders. So hopefully the Lord can uh, lift us up and and, um, bless us a little bit. But I want to start in Luke, the 15th chapter tonight. And uh, some of these are going to be very familiar passages of Scripture. Um, But hopefully um, we can weave them together in such a way to get something out of it that will benefit us. But I want to start and kind of uh, build the message around Luke, the 15th chapter, uh, starting in verse 3. If you're familiar with the Bible, this is where the Lord gives us three different parables, uh, all of which are very rich in meaning and uh, uh, a lot of things could be said about them. Uh, One of the parables is the parable of the lost sheep. Uh, One of the parables is the parable of the lost coin. And then the third one is about the lost son, which we know is the prodigal son. And I just want to focus on the first one tonight and read uh, starting in verse 3. And it says, And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you... Having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. So the story here that the Lord uses to tell this parable is about a man who has a hundred sheep. And for whatever reason, one of those sheep leave the flock and is so far gone that uh, the shepherd has to leave and go find him. It's not like he's standing in a 50-acre pasture and can see 99 sheep and sees the one kind of off there and he... uh, it's uh, the indication there is this sheep is is very lost. It's so far gone that he's got to leave the ninety nine and go find it. Now, what's interesting to me uh, in one because of where I um, came from as far as what I uh, used to think about the word lost uh, and what this parable teaches is is the is this that the denominational world typically will tell you that. When they speak of something that is lost, they, they are meaning something that is uh, hellbound. They mean something that needs deliverance from the wrath of God in eternity. And it is their job and their calling to try to save what is hellbound at that moment. Does that make sense? Uh, if you've never really grown up in that or heard that much, it might be confusing to you. But lost in the denominational world is something that we would call, uh, they would say are the unregenerate, the wicked, the unsaved. uh, And that's kind of another term that they would use uh, to describe the lost. But what we find in the Bible is that the word lost refers to, every time that I've ever found it used, refers to sheep. Now, here is a parable about a man who has lost a sheep. Now, in the Bible, when you find the word sheep, what you find is that is another reference or another word or another name for a child of God, right? If you think about Matthew, the 25th chapter, I'll flip over there for just a second. 
Matthew, the 25th chapter, notice this. It says, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory and before him shall be gathered all nations and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. I like the way that reads there. Notice that it's the shepherd separates his sheep from the goats. You ever notice that? Not his sheep from his goats, it's his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king shall say unto them on his right hand, which is the sheep, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So there are many different places in the Bible. You can find through the Psalms where David refers to himself as a sheep. Uh, you can find in uh, a very familiar psalm, the 23rd psalm, where David describes the Lord as a shepherd and himself as a sheep. And the picture there is of the, of the, the Lord tending to his flock of sheep. You find um, here the Lord referencing that his children are called sheep. You also find in, um, you find in John, I think it's the 21st chapter, when the resurrected Christ has appeared once again, I think for the third time uh, that we know of to his apostles, uh, he calls Simon Peter to him. And one of the things that he asks Simon Peter is this, do you love me? And, and Peter says, well, you know, I love you. And what does the Lord respond to him? He says, well, if you love me, feed my sheep, right? Now, he does not say feed my goats, right? He does not say feed the goats, Right? He says, what I want you to do, and this is the purpose of the preaching, is to feed sheep. And that's something that the denominational world has gotten uh, turned upside down and backwards because many times what the, what the denominational world is trying to do is trying to feed and attract the goats, right? In order to present to them some sheep food, in hopes that they'll like it and somehow turn into a sheep. All right, that sounds ridiculous, ridiculous. That sounds ridiculous to say ridiculous. It's ridiculous to think that a goat could turn into a sheep. I don't have either one. I don't have goats and I don't have sheep. But you can't go over here and feed a goat sheep food and expect that goat to one day turn into a sheep. So what's happened in the, in the world today is that the, the churches have lost sight of salvation by grace and they focus more on salvation by what man can do and his decision in order to make him one of the sheep. So they realize that what we've got to do is we've got to start attracting and feeding more and more goats. Well, spiritually speaking, not in the real world, but spiritually speaking, goats don't eat sheep food. Right? You know, the Bible tells us that the, um, the preaching of the cross is foolishness unto them that are perishing. But under those which are saved, it's the power of God. Another way to say that is your goat's not going to want to eat what the sheep's are eating. Right? So here's what happens. You have a room full of sheep and you try to sling some goat fruit food out there. And what you will do is you will starve the sheep. And so one of the reasons that our churches are so weak today in America is because we've tried so hard to feed the goats and we've neglected the sheep. But what did the Lord tell Peter? He said, feed my sheep. Feed those that will be on my right hand. Feed those that I view as my flock. 
Feed those that, I'm, that, I, that I, I am tender towards and I have a love towards and my rod and staff comfort them. That's your purpose. And if anybody ever tells you that the job of the preacher is to feed the goats, they're telling you something that Jesus didn't even tell Peter. So the job of the preacher is to feed the sheep. And I say all that to say this. When you're reading through your Bible and you come across the word sheep, we're talking about God's children, right? I thought of this question today. It would be a good question to ask somebody maybe that doesn't believe in salvation by grace. And the question will be that. Will any of God's children be in hell? All right, we know the answer to that is no, right? Will any of God's children be in hell? No, because they're all sheep. And they're all going to be at his right hand. Now, here's the topic that I really wanted to get to tonight. Luke 15 talks about a lost sheep. Now, it is impossible and it would cause a great deal of confusion in your mind if you read the Bible to think that lost refers to eternally separated from God. All right. You cannot have the word lost, meaning eternally separated from God, and the word sheep, meaning one of God's children, and put them together and have a lost sheep. So what you've got to do is you've got to realize lost means being separated from the shepherd in this life. And that's the very parable that we read. Nothing in this parable in Luke, the 15th chapter, is talking about heaven. What it's talking about is a sinner that needs to repent. All right. You won't need to repent when you're in heaven. Right. Repentance is something that we need here and now. So this lost is referring to somebody that is a child of God, a sheep, but has separated himself from the shepherd. So as we read through the Bible, one thing that you will notice with the sheep is oftentimes you find them scattered when you read through the Bible. You'll you'll find reference to the scattered sheep, to the you know to the scattered people here, to the scattered people there. I want you to imagine in your mind a big, beautiful green pasture, and I want you to imagine a flock of sheep, and I want you to imagine a shepherd standing over them. All right, that's the picture I want you to have in your mind. The reason the shepherd had a staff and a rod was because there were times uh, that it required him to, as he saw a sheep stray away. To go over there and bring that sheep back to where that was supposed to be. The rod and the staff. The staff was used to gently bring the sheep back into where it should be. Uh, The rod was used to drive away anything that was trying to hurt the flock. Okay, so thy rod and thy staff comfort me. I'm comforted to know that the Lord can bring me back to where I'm supposed to be. But I also know that the Lord is out there fighting some of the battles for me that I don't even know are going on. Now, this flock of sheep that you've imagined in your mind. There are times in the Bible that we see that flock scatter. And I want to look at a few reasons tonight about why the flock may scatter and why sheep may be lost. Okay. The first one I'd like to talk to you about uh, tonight. You can, if you want to jot these down in Matthew, the 26th chapter, you find Jesus who has gone into the garden and he's, he's on the, he's on the eve of his arrest and He has some of his apostles there with him and they have been praying and they look up and the Bible tells us, and for the sake of time, I'm just going to paraphrase it. They look up and they find uh, a host of armed men coming along with Judas coming to take Jesus, right? 
Shortly before this, this happens, the disciples, especially Peter, have made a promise to the Lord that they will never leave his side, that they will go into death with him. That sounds like a very tight flock, does it not? Well, all of a sudden, here come these men with, with, uh, with swords and staves and shields, and they've come to take Jesus. And what the Bible tells us is apparently there was somewhat of a ruckus there. It was not like, you know, they go up and Judas kisses Jesus on the cheek to identify him. And then the soldiers come and say, Jesus, you know what time it is. It's time for us to go. There's a ruckus here. You know, Peter draws a sword out. He's slinging it and cutting a man's ear off. And there's somewhat of a fight here. And it gets so rowdy that one of the disciples gets into an altercation with some of the soldiers and the soldiers, as this man is wrestling and trying to get away, they are able to rip off his outer garment, leaving him fully naked is what the Bible tells us. All right. So they didn't just go over there and be like, all right, come with us. This man, this apostle, he was clearly fighting against them, trying to get away. Right. So much so that they were able to snatch off his clothes and leave him running. All right, so I want you to picture that beautiful, tight little flock of Jesus and his apostles, some of his apostles there, uh, you know, right before the, the eve of his arrest. And what do you see happen? You see him scatter, right? You see all of a sudden this tight little flock of sheep and bam, here they go. They're not a tight little flock of sheep anymore. They've been scattered. Why have they been scattered? Because of persecution and because of fear. Now, we've seen, I think we've seen in the past year and a half, I think you've seen a lot of churches, you have seen a lot of churches fall victim to this very thing. Something came along and and it brought a lot of fear to the minds of people. And the flock just got busted up. Churches now are not what they were two years ago. Because the flock scattered. Because they were afraid. One of the things that uh, a turkey hunter told me one time. When I was kind of learning the ropes of how to turkey hunt. He said if you've got a, a gobbler, a male turkey. That's the only ones that you can legally kill. Turkey hunting goes like this. You want to kill the male turkey, so you got to sound like a female turkey, right? Yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about. I need Keith to make the noise here, Julie. And you're trying to call that male turkey away from those hens. Well, the problem is if he's got 10 or 12 hens with him, that turkey's smart enough to look around and be like, I don't think so. I'm, I'm not going to walk over there to where I can't see a turkey when I've got 12 hens right here with me. So he said, "What?" this guy told me, so what you can do is you go sit in the woods where you know those turkeys like to roost. And he said, when those turkeys come in to roost, maybe even once they fly up into the tree, you go in there right before dark and you just scare the daylights out of them. And you scatter them. And he says, what happens is all these turkeys are flying all over the place and they're going to fly off into these trees and they're going to stay there overnight. And the next morning comes and that old gobbler has been scared away from the flock of turkeys and he's sitting way over there by himself gobbling his head off and it's a whole lot easier to call him in now there's a valuable lesson in that for god's people 
that a lot of times when we are when we get frightened of whatever it may be, whether it's a you know it's a, you know a, a virus or whether it's some sort of persecution like they were talking about, and we're scattered, what happens? It's that much easier for the devil to get us, right? See, the devil does his best when he's got us isolated. It's so much harder for him to get us when we're tight in with the flock. Are you understanding me? So when we're scattered, that's when the devil has set us up to be able to start picking us off one by one. You know, I've tried that thing with the turkey before and you know, it works. All of a sudden I go out there the next morning and I'm waiting and about daylight. He starts gobbling and I start calling. He's just running to me as fast as he can because he thinks I'm the real thing. So sometimes our fear can cause us to scatter. It's interesting to me also, this apostle that was fighting with these soldiers and he left out of there unclothed, that's a whole lot what it's like when you leave the flock. Now, they were in a garden, we know that. Can you imagine as he ran through that garden with his body fully exposed, the briars and the thorns that would have normally just grabbed his cloak now coat or now cutting his skin so when you leave the flock you're exposed and you're in a dangerous susceptible position are you with me now so sometimes those sheep leave the flock because they're afraid of persecution or whatever it may be sometimes the sheep leave the flock simply because they wander Because they're too busy being focused on something else and they're not really keeping up with what's going on around them. Uh, A good example, funny story too, that um, if my memory serves me right, I think it was on our honeymoon. And Tiffany and I went to Aruba on our honeymoon. And on that particular trip, we were going to go on this snorkeling excursion thingy, right? So we get in this boat and this little guy, you know, he's like, oh, look at these Americans, you know, and he takes us way out there. And there's probably, I don't know, there's probably 25 or 30 people. Here's little Luke and Tiffany sitting over here. He's going over all the little things, you know, about what to do. If we put our goggles on, throw our snorkels in, we all jump in the water. Huge group of people. And so we're snorkeling in this place and the water's like 60 feet deep and it's so crystal clear that you can see the bottom and there's all manner of stuff down there and it's just the neatest thing in the world. And, you know, Tiffany and I are just amazed like, oh, fish, oh, fish, look at that shipwreck, ooh, you know. And so we snorkel there for a little bit and I finally come up to look and everybody else in the group and our little tour guide are way far away. And that little, I mean, they're like a long way away. And that little tour goes like, come on, hurry up. You know, we're like 200 yards from them. And so we start swimming over to get to them as fast as we can. And I was exhausted when I got to them because we were so far away. What's the point there? We were so focused kind of on what was right below us and right in front of us that we completely lost touch with where we were with the group. Now, sheep will do that, too. Sometimes sheep can get so focused on eating the grass that the next thing you know, they've eaten and they're following the good grass and following the good grass and they look up and they're way away from the flock. Now, what is the grass that we have a tendency to eat? 
I tell you one place that a lot of sheep get lost is when they go to college. And they're so focused on education and becoming something and becoming somebody that they neglect to look up and realize I'm a lot farther away from where I need to be than I thought I was. And the next thing you know, you've been separated from the flock. It might be college or it might be uh, just your job. Sometimes people get so hyper-focused on their job that they just get so engrossed in it that they look up and five years have passed and maybe once they were so tight with a flock and so zealous with a flock, maybe like a, a, a senior in high school would be, and then four or five years goes by and somebody gets an education and somebody's moving up the ranks in their job and they look and say, I'm nowhere near as close to the people in that church or to my spiritual life or to my prayer life as I was four or five years ago. I've been looking down too much and I hadn't been looking up and around enough. Sometimes it's college, sometimes it could be a job, sometimes it can be fame, popularity, sometimes it can be sports. How many times have we seen somebody pursue an athletic career and they just slowly and slowly and slowly start to wander? See, the devil likes to scatter you like the old turkey and get you off here by himself, by yourself and isolate you. But if he can't scare you into getting there, he can distract you and get you to slowly, 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 slowly move away. And the next thing you know, how many athletes do you think are out there today that are popular and everybody knows and that would tell you there was a time that I was really dedicated and, and in church and I grew up in church and I love the church, but I just kind of grew up and got involved in all these sports and that's just not really my life right now. You know what that's called? A lost sheep. That's somebody that has quit looking around and just looked and got so focused down that they get carried off. You know, uh, I was preaching at Sulphur Springs last week and I made, I made the point about in Genesis 11. You know, there's something inside of us, or at least for most people, that, you know, you want to be somebody, Right. You want to be somebody. You want to, you want to make a name for yourself. And you want to be known and, and all this, that, and the other. And, and I told those folks at Sulphur Springs, if I could give some advice to my kids, I would tell them this. Don't worry about being anybody. Don't worry about making a name for yourself. Serve the Lord. Be faithful to His church. Be faithful to the fellowship. Walk with Him. And don't care if anybody knows your name. You'll be better off that way. Because see, in Genesis 11... What did these people want to do? The Bible says they came from the east and they wanted to make a name for themselves. They said, unless we are scattered, they say this, we're going to be scattered unless we make a name for ourselves. We got to be somebody. We got to be important. And so what they do, they started to build a city. They started to build a tower. God looks down. He's not pleased with it. He confounds their language. And what happened to them? They scattered. That's what the Bible tells us. They say, let's do this so we won't be scattered. But yet they ended up scattered, right? That's what happens when you go out into this world and you forsake the Lord and you try to be somebody. How many times do we have to see people that are uh, very highly esteemed in the sight of men, but eventually it comes out that they were miserable, pitiful, lost sheep. 
And it was all because they wanted to be somebody in the eyes of men. What does the Bible say? That which is highly esteemed in the sight of men is an abomination to God. Sometimes sheep just get so focused on what's in front of us that they slowly start to wander. You know, David, David lost sight of where he was supposed to be one time. David was supposed to be fighting with his armies of Israel. But he lost sight of that and he wandered and he found himself on a roof, rooftop and he began to look at something and he got so hyper focused on what he was looking at and it consumed his thoughts that it never crossed his mind as far as we know that I'm supposed to be way over here. Because the Bible says it was the time when the kings of Israel go to battle. He was the king of Israel, but he was not in battle. He had strayed away from there. And he gets hyper fixated on something. And because he was so fixated on that, not only did he become a murderer, an adulterer, he became a murderer. He, he, he was exercising uh, uh, lying. And from what the Bible tells us, it cost him four of his children's lives. All because he was fixated on something right in front of him and he never stopped to look up and say, oh, everybody else has been snorkeling way away from us. We got to catch up. Now, sometimes we scatter because we're afraid. Sometimes we scatter because we wander. Sometimes sheep leave the flock because they're led astray. Listen to this by wolves in sheep's clothing. Now, that's very, very common today. The Bible tells about the, us about that in Matthew, the seventh chapter in the 15th verse. Now, listen, here's the old sheep in the flock. He looks up. Oh, there's a sheep. There's a sheep. There's a sheep. There's a sheep. Well, this sheep is going over here to this really good green grass. I think I'll go over here with this sheep a little bit. And then that sheep gets a little further and a little further. We know what happens. That sheep that's going away feels safe and feels better about what he's doing because he's not alone until he gets way away from the flock and he realizes I've, I haven't been following a sheep this whole time. I've been following a wolf. I've been following something that actually has the intent to devour me. So sometimes we think we are doing the right thing. We are following the right people. All the while, we're just following a wolf. Now, sometimes, you ask me, where, where are the wolves in sheep's clothing in America? I think most of them are in pulpits. I really, I really feel like that. Most of them are in pulpits. Let me tell you why. Let me flip over to Jeremiah for just a second. Jeremiah 14, 14. I'm also going to read in Jeremiah 23. Then the Lord said unto me, the prophets or the preachers prophesy lies in my name. I sent them not, neither have I commanded them, neither spake unto them. They prophesy unto you a false vision and divination and a, and a thing of naught and the deceit of their heart. In Jeremiah, the 23rd chapter, it says um, in verse 16, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, hearken not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you. They make you vain. They speak a vision of their own heart and not out of the mouth 
of the Lord. They say, they say still unto them that despise me, the Lord hath said, ye shall have peace. And they say unto everyone that walketh after the imagination of his own heart, no evil shall come upon you. Now look, if there is a somebody out there saying, I've got a message from the Lord. He could even be handsome and dress nice and have all types of degrees on his wall uh, saying, I've been through the seminaries and I've been through all that. And if they stand up and say to you, do what you want, the imaginations of your heart will not bring evil or trouble upon you. Go up there and snatch his sheep's clothing off and you'll find a wolf waiting to devour you. And the and the and it's really sad, you know. I'm, I'm I'm being a little bit plain tonight, but God's people need some plain preaching sometimes. We're so intoxicated with TV, radio, TikTok, Facebook, and all this stuff. It takes plain preaching to reach somebody sometimes. Men, it, it's pitiful what God's people will accept as preaching nowadays. It's pitiful. We ought to be ashamed of ourselves as a as as a as a corporate body of Christ at what we will accept as preaching. And preachers know that and they stand up and they don't study the word of God. They come up with all these quaint little stories to make you laugh and all that stuff. And they stand up there on a Sunday morning. They feed you 15 minutes of something that is not from God, although they tell you it's from God. And they prophesy a vision of their own heart and they are slowly and surely leading you away from the shepherd. And I don't say that to be mean. I say that for the sake of the flock. If you sit under anybody that is preaching to you, you need to be like the Bereans and study these things out to see if what we're telling you is true. And if I ever get up here. God forbid I ever get up here and all I give you is a bunch of funny little quaint stories in one scripture. If I get up here and tell you that the Bible says Jesus wept and then spend 45 minutes telling you why it's okay for men to cry, pull me down from here. Because you deserve better than that. So wolves in sheep's clothing, that's the ones that really get us. Because we think we're right in the right place all along. You understand? Now, let me give you just a couple more here before we close. Sometimes sheep are scattered or lost because they're afraid. Sometimes sheep wander. Sometimes sheep are led astray by wolves in sheep's clothing. And sometimes sheep are lost or scattered simply because they don't have a shepherd. And that ties a whole lot into the last few things that I was telling you. In Ezekiel, the 34th chapter. Let me read some of that to you here. In Ezekiel, the 34th chapter, in the first verse, it says, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds. Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Ye eat the fat, and ye clothe you with the wool. Ye kill them that are fed, but ye feed not the flock. The diseased have ye not strengthened, neither have ye healed that which was sick. 
Neither have you bound up that which was broken. Neither have you brought again that which was driven away. Neither have you sought that which was lost. Everybody with me? But with force and with cruelty have ye ruled them, and they were scattered because there is no shepherd. That's the condition of a lot of God's people today. Is because God has called men to be shepherds, under shepherds. I'm not talking about the great shepherd. I'm talking about the under shepherd, the pastor. The Lord has called men to pastor the local flocks. And according to what the Bible tells us here, not only is one of their responsibilities is to feed them spiritual food, but it is also to, also to take to strengthen the diseased, to heal that which is sick, to bind up which is broken, and to bring again anything that was driven away, and to seek out what was lost to keep them from being scattered. And I don't want to embarrass Brother Tim. I took my glasses off so I couldn't even see him. I hear him, but I can't see him. God has blessed us with a wonderful shepherd who loves us. And there, are, this is what I like about it. <clears throat> there are things as, as the under shepherd of this flock that Brother Tim knows about me that I've never told him. I'm not talking about secrets I've got. I'm just talking about how I think, my mindset, my weaknesses, my strengths. What I'm prone, when I'm prone to stray and fall, and maybe when I'm prone to stand uh, straight and, and, and strong. Not because I sat down and gave him my resume, but because I've spent a lot of time with him. And he talks and we converse. And because he loves me and because he is an under shepherd, he is ever listening and watching and learning about this sheep. And many times, he will see something coming uh, that could harm me before I ever even realize it. And he's there to help me. And if you don't have a relationship, a good relationship with a pastor, you need one. Because that's his calling to keep his hand on the pulse of the sheep and of the flock. And say, oh, there's, there's sickness, there's hurting, there's disease. And I need to bring those things back in. But sometimes when people don't have that, they wonder. And, and I say this again with, with as much love as I can muster. <clears throat> to have a church structure where there is a, a head pastor. And that head pastor maybe has six or seven or eight helpers. And those six or seven or eight helpers have four or five helpers of their own. To take care of a flock of 5,000 people. Well, here's just the thing. The Bible says one of the gifts that God gives a church is, a, is the heart of a pastor. You see, a man can stand up and preach, but doesn't necessarily mean that he's got the heart of a pastor. I, I remember a place that I used to go to church. You know, you had the, you had the pastor... And you didn't really have any kind of relationship with him. You knew him. You knew his name. And he might know your name. You just kind of spoke to him in passing. But you had maybe uh, somebody that was, uh, you know, administrator, the administrator over your particular age group. And, and, you know, if you weren't in church or if you were hurting or something, they were going to kind of look out for you. 
I need somebody looking out for me that God has called to look out for me. Not somebody that has been assigned to do it because that's just the way we got to have it because there's so many people here. That's kind of mean and ugly, I know, but I'm just telling you the truth. God's, God's people are suffering because they don't have shepherds. They go away. You know, I, the, the last church that I left, <laughs> the last church that we left, we had been at Bethlehem probably two years. And we saw several people uh, over that course of time and they had no idea that we'd even left church. No idea. The pastor didn't even know we'd left. And one thing I remember Sister Tracy saying to me, uh, I mean, uh, you know, uh, six months after we came and we were talking about some of those things, and, you know, I, nobody really has, has even noticed we've left. And I remember Sister Tracy telling me, says, if you're gone two weeks, Tim's going to notice it. And he's going to come looking for you. Well, that really stuck out to me. It really stuck out to me to think, you mean he cares enough to come looking for me? You know why? Because he's a shepherd. And that's what a shepherd is supposed to do. But when people don't have a shepherd, what's their tendency to do? To scatter and to wander. And they will find something to fill that void that a pastor is supposed to be filling. Now, let me close with this. What are the dangers of being scattered from the flock? Psalm 73 says this, They that are far from thee shall perish. A sheep does not do good on its own. A sheep doesn't do good wandering through the woods. A sheep thrives and does its best and is the safest when it's with the flock. And I'm not talking about just coming to church. I'm talking outside of this church. Your circle of friends, they need to be strong, godly people. You need to be at school surrounded with a flock. You need to be at work and have a flock. You don't need to surround, you don't need to, to put yourself in a situation, if you can help it, where you're the only one there that cares anything about spiritual things. That's a dangerous place to be. What's the conclusion of the matter? Ezekiel 34, For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. We're in some cloudy and dark days, aren't we? And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in a good pasture. Too many of God's people are eating in a rotten old dried up pasture. I will feed them in a good pasture. And upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be there. Shall they lie in a good fold. And in a fat pasture shall they feed upon the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock. I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord God. Now listen. I'm going to close with Luke 15 again. It's comforting to me to know that even though, as the, um, what does the song say? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That is our tendency. Because we like looking at all the fish. And we like snorkeling and just looking at all this. We're prone to do that, right? We're prone to be afraid. You know? We're prone, to, we're prone to be that way. You know, I, I, and I'll say this. 
talking about the virus scattering the churches. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just, I don't know, my mind is not wired to be afraid of those things. That, that doesn't concern me. It's a, it's a big deal, but it doesn't shake me at all. But I have to be compassionate. Because I told Tiffany, I said, if I pulled up to church one day, and the only way for me to get in this church was across a 300-foot rickety bridge over a huge canyon, I'd struggle. You see, I'd struggle to get in here because that's my fear. What about if your fear is spiders and you come up one day and the only way to get in this church is walk down through a bunch of spiders? It makes it harder, right? You see, my fear may not be your fear, but the devil can easily figure out our fear and use it to scatter us. And I'm very thankful that we don't have to cross a rickety bridge to get here. But I also say this, you know what would help me? Finding the courage to do it one time and realize I made it. And then to do it again and again and again to eventually it wasn't a big deal. Amen. But the devil knows our fears and he'll use it to scatter us. He will put something in front of us and tell us it's the greatest thing in the world. And it will be so exciting to us that the next thing you know, we've followed it all the way out away from the flock. He will send people along that will sing hymns, quote scripture, talk about the Lord, and all the while it's just to lead you astray. And he will deceive the minds of the shepherds to think that their job is to make $200,000 a year and not do the things that the shepherd should be doing. You'll never have to worry about that with primitive Baptist preachers, by the way. We're not going to make $200,000 a year. I've gone many places and had two or $300 wrapped up in a trip, and the church would give you $50. And I was thankful for it. I'd have turned around and gave it right back to them. But that's not a temptation for the primitive Baptist preacher. But it is for a lot of preachers. In Luke, the 15th chapter, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. You see, our God is a God that seeks out his sheep. He is not satisfied with you hanging out at the wood line when everybody else is at the water trough. He loves you too much to let you stay there. Now, you might have found some really green grass over there and be feasting your little heart out. And you may fight with God when he comes to get you. But he's doing it because he loves you. And he seeks you out. And when he finds you, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. Have you ever felt the comfort of laying on the shoulders of the master? I have. I have been the lost sheep. I have wandered. I have gotten engrossed in things that took me away from the Lord. But I've also felt that blessedness when that convicting power of the Spirit of God comes on you. And you feel him drape you over his shoulders and walk you back to where you need to be. That's a sign of repentance. And I've told you before, repentance is as scarce as hen's teeth nowadays. You don't find a lot of repentance anymore. You don't find a lot of brokenness from God's people anymore. And that's a scary place to be because God will bring you to repentance. But you may not like the avenue that he gets you there with, right? 
I'm thankful to know that we serve a shepherd that seeks us out and finds us and brings us back. And when he does, the Bible says there's more rejoicing in heaven over that one sheep that was lost that came back than the 99 that stayed right where they were supposed to. Don't ever forget that. When that old lost, bruised, broken, and bloody sheep comes back, God forbid we as a flock ever be like, should have never gone there to start with. That is not the right attitude when a lost sheep comes back. You kill the fatted calf and you rejoice because something that was lost is found. I hope that that's been profitable to you.